0: Uh, welcome to episode five of the Three States of Sound. Uh, we hope you're all staying safe out there, especially our listeners who are dealing with uh, some natural disasters. I know the, the fires in the West Coast here and here in Montana, we're getting, uh, we're getting a lot of the smoke from the fires in Oregon and California. So I hope you guys are all staying safe. Um, we are back and tonight or today, we are talking about music and films, uh, films and documentaries, um, soundtracks where film and music have converged in your life and what it means to you and and also uh, picking some of our favorite um, films and uh, and discussing those, we also put a question up on Facebook and got some great answers from uh, from, from a lot of you so we will we will discuss some of the films that are listed here in this response, but how's everybody doing out there? Josh and Derek, you guys doing well? Doing good. I'm hanging in there. <laughs> <laughs> Derek with drink in hand. Again, we are on video again, so we can, we can see what's going on here. Uh, Derek, what's your, what's your drink of choice tonight?
1: I just threw together this uh, apple cider, just apple cider, uh, three ounces apple cider, uh, ounce of um, what is this um, elderberry liqueur and um, what else is in there? Oh, and vodka, of course. You gotta have got some vodka. So vodka, elderberry liqueur, and some apple juice. Pretty good.
0: There you go. Nice, Josh. You have drinking hand. I do. Yeah, I have
2: uh, the last bit of Sailor Jerry's rum. And the last bit of crack and rum that I had in the cabinet, I have literally nothing in the refrigerator or cabinet to mix this with. So I just put it on ice and I'm going to power
0: through like a champion. There you go. Ice, (laughs) ice, the great mixer. That's right. You're fine. It keeps things cool. (laughs) Like
2: cool. Modi. He, He was cool. He put his, he even included that in his
1: name. He did. Yes. And what are you drinking tonight, Uh, John?
0: You know, I'm just drinking some, I think some like mango, some sort of fruit juice with a lot of water. I think that's what it is. I don't know. Yeah, I I need to make myself a proper drink one night. Or maybe I'll I'll, I'll dive into some, some local beers here in Montana, introduce the audience to those. But... Yeah. Well, nothing quite like, as nice as Sailor Jerry's cut with an additional.
1: You know, what um, we could do for our next podcast, if we're going to do beer. We can all grab our favorite local beer. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that. that'd, be, that'd be fun.
0: Yeah. Oh man. One of these, you know, one of these nights we'll, we'll, we'll threaten our audience with like a, uh, some of the best drinking albums, uh, <laughs> Oh, dive wow. into like, like some that. kinks and. Uh, well, mine is the Judd's Christmas album. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I've got drunk to. Now are you now, now? Are you just drinking because you're listening to the Judd Christmas album?
1: Or? He, he's uh, drinking because he is listening to the. Judd's <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like uh, it's a inspiration for the season. Yes. It, it yeah. both causes and cures my depression. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just over here, this sitting gonna on a pills near, rocking to the rhythm of the rain, sleigh bells <laughs> in the
0: background. Speaking of Christmas albums, I don't think I, 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 don't, I think I told one of you, maybe not both of you, but I uh, I was in my uh, one of the other local record stores here in the area called Wax Museum, and uh, I came across an original 45 of Kate Bush Christmas single. It's awesome oh, no. because it sounds like a Kate Bush song, except it has some sort of reference to winter. I don't think it directly references Christmas, but uh, it has an amazing cover on it too. Some an animation with like a reindeer on it, but uh, <laughs> I feel, I feel lucky to own it now.
2: Yeah. Oh, all right. Well We will have to do a Christmas album uh, episode.
0: Absolutely but not this time. Let's get into the films. Let's get into the films. All right. So I was watching for, I don't know, I don't know how many times I've watched this, but, uh, the Wilco documentary, uh, I'm trying to break your heart. And if you haven't seen it and you have any interest, not only in Wilco or the recording process or albums of the early 2000s, but specifically sort of the business end behind, uh, decisions that are made uh, by record companies. It is an excellent documentary. It is probably um, one of the most revealing documentaries I've ever seen about about the music side of the business. And also, I won't tell you, I won't tell everybody exactly what, but how that story ends up, how Yankee Hotel Foxtrot gets released uh, is uh, is just such a, a huge like moral victory for anybody who's a music fan. Um, it's kind of part funny and part, uh, part tragic, but it, uh, yeah. it's, it's a wonderful story.
1: That's a great documentary.
0: Yeah. So as I was, as I was watching that, I just threw the question out to, uh, to Derek and Josh, Hey, how about doing an episode about, you know, about documentaries and, and films um, that, uh, that have meant something to us or, or that we're just interested in talking about. So that's where this idea came from. Um, so since i discuss this. We got some great answers. I mean, we had talked about the Nina Simone documentary, um, What Happened Miss Simone, uh, and our friend uh, Patrick Quinn had listed that uh, on Facebook um, as something to talk about. That is an excellent documentary. But away from documentary, there are also obviously those films that have a uh, music incorporated uh, into the film or a big part of the film, all films in some way, right, have some sort of some sort of music accompaniment, but there's also soundtracks. There's also, and, and, and at times there's, there's, there's soundtracks that are even more popular or, or, or talked about as much uh, as the film itself. So as we dive into this, I'm just curious, guys, um, is there anything that, I'm, that, that sort of immediately, when we, when we started, uh, when we began this discussion that, that stood out as a film or a documentary that has really, really got you?
1: Well, the thing that I like, I, well, I have so many favorites, um, that are vying for the number one slot. Um, man, um, of course you guys know, I, 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 I love, um, I love jazz. I really like the, well, there's, there's three I like. I like the, uh, the, the, uh, monk straight on no chaser. That's, that's an awesome, yeah. kind of a documentary and then the Miles Davis one and then um, oh my, what's the other one I'm thinking about? Chasing um, Train?
0: Is that, the, is that the Miles Davis? Or, sorry, sorry, sorry Miles Davis.
1: No, Miles Davis is the Miles Davis one. Yeah. Also, I do like the Chasing Train. That was That's a good one but Lee Morgan, the, the Lee Morgan Yeah. Oh,
2: I called him Morgan?
1: Chase. Yeah, I called him Morgan, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's pretty awesome as well.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, the, the Lee Morgan one, like I'm not as much of a jazz aficionado as you guys. Uh, but Lee, Lee Morgan was my entry into jazz, uh, through kind of a, you know, sidetrack method here. Uh, I bought one of his records at a thrift store just cause it looked cool. And I used one of his songs on one of my student films and, uh, I hadn't really heard a lot of Lee Morgan, uh, because I'm not, you know, super into the jazz circles or anything like that. And then I saw that documentary pop up on Netflix and watched it and just like got even deeper appreciation of his career and like the whole story and just like how tragic it was and just how messed up. But, uh, yeah, it, it made the, it made the record that I have even more special. So it was pretty cool. me.
0: Yeah. You know um, the documentaries, and there there are many of them. We just you know read off a few of uh, jazz musicians in the late '50s and early '60s. It's so amazing, not just because of the story of the musician themselves, but God, the the the, the cultural um, uh, uh, sort of backdrop. Uh, it, I mean, it really is a story of this country, right? Because because jazz, you know, is is American. I mean, there are a lot of influences, but, but, but really the core of jazz is American and, and it does really, it, it does tell the story I think better than any, um, any music. Uh, it really does tell the story of this country. So definitely dive, uh, dive into those and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about some of those tonight. I was trying to remember the Miles Davis documentary. That's the one that just came out recently, right? Right. Right. Yeah. That is excellent. That is an excellent documentary. Um, yeah
1: uh, i also loved um i guess during covid i've i've I like like a lot of people we consumed a lot of uh a lot of netflix a lot of media um and i really i really did like the uh, the the quincy jones documentary also which it yeah. was if you've seen it it's pretty revealing i mean you get to you know you learn some things about some of these artists i think documentaries can do one or two things either they'll make you fall more in love with the artist, or the complete opposite.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You Expose know, what an asshole they really were. Yeah. Right.
1: Right. Right.
0: Yeah. So. And it's challenging too. I had a, um, a female friend of mine who was watching the Miles Davis documentary say that part of that conflict is knowing that he abused his wife and, right. and, and so, but, but sort of understanding or, you know, I, I'm going to backtrack here. I'm not going to say understanding his mental state or his emotional state at the time, but really kind of reconciling the two people, the, you know, the person who who, who could be abusive, Nina Simone, her, you know, her daughter mentioned that that she was a victim of abuse as well uh, from Nina, but, but sort of reconciling that part of the person with the contributions they've made in music. So yeah, Derek, you're right. It's it, it can be very polarizing through, through the, through the length of the film. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, for me, the first one that popped into mind, uh, when we were, you know, looking at documentaries was Heart Worn Highways. Um, yeah, I'm a big classic country guy and that one is just really tells the story of like, you know, Austin sort of country sound. and, you know, like the Steve Earle uh, clips that are in there, just fantastic. And uh, yeah, that, that one was really good uh, as a way to dive into some of the more, uh, I wouldn't call them obscure, but, but less commercial, uh, you know, country artists from, from that time period and just get really more into that singer songwriter uh, vein so, so that was one that I would definitely, definitely recommend. And it's kind of a, a low budget, you know, documentary where it's just a lot of fly on the wall capturing, you know, just these groups of mu- musicians hanging out and, uh, you know, is, is, it,
0: together. Is, is this a film that, that, that has, um, towns Van Zandt like, yeah. throughout. Okay. Okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He's one of the main, main guys in it. Yeah. And this, this movie is one of the, uh, you know, driving forces for me being a uh, big town's Van song yeah. and in, in my own, uh, terrible songwriting, uh, <laughs> history, uh, w- one of my songs is kind of based on, um, uh, in cold blood, you know, the, uh, the movie documentary, it came out about the murders in the sixties or fifties. I forget. Really bad memory. Uh, but, uh, I wrote a country song in a town's Van style of a retelling and sort of reinterpretation of that. Uh, it's called mama, dry your eyes. And it's, hmm. uh, it's a bloated finger picking disaster, but there's, <laughs> there's a kernel of beauty in it. And, uh, and I owe that to Towns Van Sant that
0: show. Yeah, well, you mentioned um, Steve Earle and Towns Van Zandt. and unfortunately, I think we all had heard that it wasn't that long ago, right? That, that Justin Towns Earle passed away. Um, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So very, very young, but man, um, there's a. I was watching just a just short YouTube video, uh, Steve Earle talking about Towns Van Zandt, Um and I was especially drawn to the the the, the 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 bits and pieces uh, where Justin talks about sort of the relationship between the two of them. And uh, so it was very soon after I watched that that, that I found out that he passed away. Mm-hmm. But I have to I have to check that out. I'm a, I'm a huge Towns Van Zandt uh, fan, so, so I'm surprised I haven't seen it yet.
2: Oh, you'll dig it. And then you'll end up wearing like a bunch of Pearl snap shirts and get a cowboy hat.
0: <laughs> oh, I have an excellent Pearl snap shirt that I bought in Texas a few years back. It has two roosters on the shoulder. Ooh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I need to pull that, that, that out. So yeah. there you go. Maybe, maybe for the drinking album, album episode, that'll, 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 that'll fit. Um, yeah. Um, it's interesting. Somebody just uh, somebody replied to the Facebook post with uh, with one film that I think at a at a certain age it, it, there are the films right that, for, that from a music perspective it, that really it really just captures that moment perfectly. Whether you like it or not, you have to admit that it per- captures that moment perfectly. Singles is one of those films. It was <laughs> it just it just happened. You know that you, you, I mean obviously with the members of Pearl Jam in there even before they became huge or just on the cusp of becoming uh, becoming huge. But that's a film that, that again, whether you like it or not, it does perfectly capture that time. And there's some cringeworthy moments into that, in, in that film, some some kind of suspect acting here and there. But it is, it, it, it is a cool snapshot of that period. Well, you know, that movie is partially responsible for
2: my desire to live in Seattle. Uh, you know, cause I was a big grunge kid. Like that was, a, that was a huge part of my life. And since, you know, early mid nineties, I was like, Oh, I want to live in Seattle. And then when I was in LA and kind of getting tired of LA, uh, just decided to move to Seattle, uh, had no job, no connections, no friends up there. Uh, and just made that choice because I was like, "Have you seen Singles? Like, it seems really cool. <laughs> like, like and when you watch that and Frasier, It's like, who would not want to live in <laughs> Seattle? Uh, so, yeah. And and I, I do not regret the decision. Uh, Seattle's yeah. a fantastic place, and Singles Singles captured what I assume was the vibe pretty well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. you know it 's great for people who 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 haven 't had a chance in their life and maybe won 't for for quite some time, but to experience small club culture um, where you go to see bands in a small club a lot of times there are regular bands that that, that sort of stick around for uh, for a while and I, I think that 's something josh you, you you probably did in some way, but i I think you're still maybe you just missed. The the, 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 sort of huge period of those small clubs. Cause that would have been like late eighties, early nineties for a lot of, for a lot of cities. Um, but I mean, we went to a great small club show in LA. We saw fruit bats, uh, yeah. there, that was a, that, that was a cool show. Yeah, I, think, but, I think still, you know, small
2: clubs like for emerging bands are still out there. Like in yeah. Seattle, you still have, uh, you know, Numos uh, which is, really well known and it's still a small club, but it gets cool acts coming through there. Uh, and the crocodile, like, yeah, I I, I got to experience it. I think as Seattle continues to grow and Amazon takes its roots and bastardizes the whole fucking city, mm-hmm. um, maybe some of that will diminish, but there's always going to be that spirit and, and those sort of underground indie clubs and, uh, you know, people, demanding to have that kind of experience still.
0: But with the internet, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you see it, um, artists don't have the opportunity really to kind of, you know, test their material in those small clubs like they used to. So you could see a band that, you know, locally that was playing a small club um, and you'd you'd have a chance to see them with your friends, you know, with a, a small group of people now with the internet, you know, that's, it's a lot harder to do, but, um, stupid internet, <laughs> stupid internet. I love um, you. And I hate you. Um, I feel bad that I said, somebody mentioned singles cause it was a, it's a, it's a mutual friend of ours and somebody that at one point we should, we should have her on the show because we've, we, I think we, we've all had excellent conversations with Nicole Stanley, uh, about music. Uh, and actually I, <laughs>
2: me and Nicole were supposed to meet up at, um, Uh, uh, who's the guitar player for Pearl Jam? Uh, For a guy who just said he moved to Seattle for... Stone Gossard? Stone, no, maybe. Uh, Uh, Mike McCready? Mike McCready. He wrote a book about the Polaroids that he had taken, and he did a talk with uh, Cameron Crowe at a smaller venue in LA, and nicole was supposed to meet me there but she got sick because i think she was on a trip with you and ended up missing that and i actually still have her her copy of the book that i picked up there so nicole if you're listening i got your book it's in my (laughs) garage i will send it to you
0: was that um was that a trip that she was on in las vegas when she got sick because she was on a trip with us in las vegas and she got really sick um Uh, and and she didn't go well okay i I think i'm conflating
2: two things because when she went to that trip with you for las vegas she was actually supposed to meet me at a concert. Jam. Yeah, Cal Jam, where yeah. Foo Fighters and Queens of the Stone Age were playing, uh, and uh, White Reaper, which is a hmm. fantastic band uh, that I just discovered at that time, and uh, they were all playing. So it was it was a rad show. I ended up just going <laughs> by myself. You know, as nearly forty year old man in a field. Like looking at people, like hi. Do you want it? You don't want to sit next to me. Okay, cool. Uh, but
0: yeah, no. It was it was a good show. Nicole missed out because she got sick because of you. And and then and then I feel um, I feel sort of doubly. It's a horrible word. Uh, I feel really bad because I was. I think I was supposed to meet you there as well. I think Nicole and I were supposed to both go. So uh, we did not. I feel terrible that you had to yeah, experience that on your own.
2: I was so. lonely, but uh there was like a vert skate ramp uh and, and like a van show like like the vehicle van yeah not not like uh the shoes not the vans yeah yeah uh yeah there was a fender booth where you got to go in and record your own song like yeah it was yeah. it was a dope
0: dope event you guys missed out yeah yeah you know what? The two of us, Josh, there were, there have been those opportunities. You also didn't go to, and I can't remember why you didn't go to see Fu Manchu with me at the Troubadour and, and I know that I invited you and I can't remember why you didn't go. Anyway, that's a cool show.
2: Yeah. That's, that's another one of my favorite van, uh, van bands. But, van bands. <laughs> no, they're like, they're totally a stoner rock. Oh, they yeah. They have an album called King of the road that, uh, the cover of it is like seventies bands. And I used to, you know, I've owned like 10 bands. I don't know if uh, we need to get into my banning culture obsession, but, <laughs> um, yeah, like my first band that I had 83 Dodge van, I used to put uh Fu Manchu in that and I just felt like the coolest son of a bitch in Oklahoma because i
0: was (laughs) (laughs) this is a great segue into into a recommendation since we're talking about films the stoner rock genre if you or that 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 sort of period if you guys don't know a lot about it there's a great documentary it's called low sound desert um and you can find it on you can find it on um on youtube so I think it's legal. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a legal. It's legal enough. <laughs> sorry, I don't know if it's somebody that uploaded. I think it's just, I think it's available on, uh, yeah. And it goes into, you know, uh, bands like Caius and, and, and others. So yeah. yeah, check that out. Cause that, that is something if you have any interest in Queens of the stone age, uh, you need to know all those other bands that are just really cool. And then, and then, and then get into some really like crazy, like stone, like the that slow. What's that? What's that? What's that stoner rock? That's like like Earth, like those bands. Yeah,
2: yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah, Sleep. Uh, Yeah, there you go. Church of Misery, which is a uh,
2: Japanese band that all of their songs are about serial killers. It's fantastic. Oh wow! It's fantastic. (laughs) okay Uh, I feel like like we're straying uh, down this soda rock path so let me I'll I'll pull it back because uh, mentioning Oklahoma there was a there's an awesome documentary that kind of you know hit the indie rounds in the early 2000s and, and you guys should check out because it's so weird of a combination so it's called Oki Noodling and if you don't know, noodling is a form of fishing where you jump into a dirty, you know, river or lake, uh, and you stick your hand into holes trying to get a catfish to bite your hand. And then you pull it out and then you just essentially, you know, like manhandle a fish and, uh, that's called noodling. And it's like a thing in Oklahoma, especially. And so, there's a documentary filmmaker who graduated from the University of Oklahoma just a few years before me uh, in the film department called Brad Beasley. Well, that's yeah. his name. He's not just called that. Uh, I think it's his legal name, Brad Beasley. But he is like uh, friends and, and partners with the Flaming Lips. So he's done a few of their music videos and he shot some of their, you know, weird art films that they make. Um, and so he made this oaky noodling documentary and the flaming lips do the soundtrack for it. Oh my God. So it's this like indie art filmmaker covering the most hillbilly form of fishing (laughs) that possibly could exist. And it's fantastic. It's it's a, it's a perfect storm of weirdness that comes together. And, you know, I think Oklahoma in general just gets, you know, painted with broad brushstrokes and people think they know what Oklahoma is. Uh This documentary will help you get an idea of like the counterculture that's still true to its country roots but is free in its artistic expression and I think that's a beautiful thing about Oklahoma and especially Norman in general because there's a, a a lot of like amazing bands like indie bands and you know punk rock bands uh, you know uh, even like hip hop jazz bands that were around when I was going to school there that Uh, Should be should be more known, uh, but it's it's a cool scene, and I think this movie does a good job of.
0: That's awesome, and it's also available on Amazon Prime. So there you go. Um, uh, So I know what I'm watching right after this is over, right after we finish recording here. And Bradley Beasley, you, you mentioned the Flaming Lips. He going into another film that's uh, that, that, you know, has its, its basis in Oklahoma, Oklahoma, um, fearless freaks, the, 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 the story of, of Flaming Lips, which is awesome because Bradley Beasley, right. like from most of their career had been filming bits and pieces of the of Flaming Lips and then what was it was it like almost like, like 15 or 20 years later, he, 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 he put the film together. Um, right. It was, it, was, it, was, it was quite some period of time that went by before that, before that film came out, but it's great because it's a filmmaker who had spent time with members of the band for many, many years before he put that film together.
2: Yeah. You know, I, I think a lot of like the early stuff in that film was probably just the flaming lips capturing it themselves and handing it over to him because he's quite a bit younger. He's only uh, younger than like Wayne and uh, the Steve, the, the core, the core of flaming lips yeah you know folks um but yeah he it, it was it was a really weird environment like with him especially the, being in the film school there where uh, i actually got to go put on a bear suit and dance around in the background of the oshimi battles uh, pink robot music video and <laughs> when when that album came out brad and and the flaming lips did a like like three different music videos kind of all filming at the same time and uh, a lot of the kids from the film school like were you know extra grips and PAs and went out to help on that and that's how I got to be a part of it um, and Brad even came into our documentary class and like gave, a, gave you know sort of a lesson on, on what all he's doing and like walked us through some of the stuff he was doing with the flaming lips so uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a really cool experience and, and being in this odd little uh, sphere within Oklahoma, like getting to know all these artists and creatives. Like we used to go down to just little clubs in downtown Norman and, you know, Flaming Lips would show up. Like their CD release party for the uh, Yoshimi Battles, the Pink Robots, was in a club that held maybe 200 people, like max max capacity uh so yeah it was, it was it was really an interesting and awesome time to be at the university of oklahoma uh, as a film student and a fan of music
0: yeah um so, sorry uh derek uh derek is here sorry from derek for a little a little while here um it fell off during the mm-hmm. during the recording but you are back i'm glad to I'm have back. you we're glad to have I'm you back, back. Um, I don't know if, uh, if you guys both know Mike Heenan, um, he, uh, he chimed in, uh, on the Facebook post and, uh, he mentioned the film Crossroads, uh, Mm. um, and it got me thinking about films that have sort of hit like that, that, that sort of give you a little bit of historical context, but very much take liberties with it, uh, and, um, and present, you know, the sort of dramatic retelling of, or not retelling, sorry, this, uh, this dramatized version of, of, of stories that actually did exist, meaning the stories that they talked about within the film, specifically about Robert Johnson. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to think of other films that have kind of done this. Um, and off the top of my head, I can't think of any. But I was just—I was—I was curious because i would i would i would i said to Mike, like it's, its a great film. I love that film. It's—it's it's one of those that when it's on, I can't put it down. But even with the the sort of sometimes suspect acting uh, in that film, it uh, it 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 is great. The things that it, the things that it does present, um, specifically the myth around Robert Johnson, you know, down at the crossroads, selling his soul to the devil. Um, but I'm curious, one, you know, your take on that film and then two, if you can think of any films that kind of, that kind of do that same thing. That was Ralph Macchio, right? It was. Yeah. And yeah, Steve the, Vai was in the, uh, was in the final scene. The, the, the what is it? Cut, cutting heads. That sounds, that sounds, that does sound like a horribly like suburban way of, of, of describing it. But yeah, that, that sort of, yeah, that guitar off. <laughs> at the end that's Steve Vai. Yes. Sorry, Derek. Go ahead.
1: Uh, no, I remember watching that film, I mean, when it came out and I was just very intrigued by it. Um, wasn't bad. I can't think of any films off off hand that um, I can compare it to. Um, but I remember it, it left a good impression on me because I had been, you know, if you're familiar with jazz, you're kind of like almost, you definitely have to be familiar with the blues, so and and therefore that whole cast of, of characters. Um, because blues preceded jazz, I want to say. Um, mm. But yeah, it kind of reignited Mike for a time. I mean, I've always loved the blues, but after watching that movie, kind of, you know, like a lot of film, like especially music documentaries, once you're introduced to the music or reintroduced to it, you kind of dive back into it again and kind of get, you know, kind of get into into the whole scene. Um, But yeah, just, um, just kind of rekindled my admiration and kind of the whole mystique about um blues playing blues guitar
2: yeah 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 sort the the of yeah robert johnson yeah yeah really cool. and he's a guy who deserves to be fabled you know what i mean like like he didn't get enough recognition in his time uh so i think it's really cool that the movie like almost makes uh tries to make the myth into a reality You know what I mean? It just makes it, it just adds to the mystique of his life and just, you know, what he brought to, to blues and uh, just to music in general. Uh, The only other movie that pops into mind and I don't think is a direct uh, comparison, but is Bubba Hotep. We're talking about fabulization uh, and just sort of appropriation of musical icons is you know, uh, Elvis in, uh, in the nursing home uh, <laughs> uh, fighting mummies. <laughs> whatever it was, you know? uh, Again, just straight up weirdness. Uh, and again, that's also from the early 2000s. I think the early 2000s were a good period of weirdness in movies. The- yeah. And anything with Bruce Campbell is going to have a, a good amount of camp thrown into right. it as well. So, yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, and then you know there are um, there you're talking about sort of creation of, of a legacy or altering that legacy. Um, Pat Quinn had mentioned Sid and Nancy, which I think um, if you're uh, if you are of a certain age, uh, it's that that film was just constantly around you. I think I remember visiting people in their college dorms, and I don't. I think there were more people who had a Sid and Nancy poster than did not, um, and that sort of Sid vicious. That that character <laughs> that was created in Sid Nancy, while sh- was certainly it was based on on some historical fact, it did create a version that felt a little disingenuous. And I think members or people around them at that time um, also had also had those same concerns, and also had the concerns that that the film somewhat romanticized um, their their um their relationship and 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 also romanticize sid's drug use and, and and his um and his activities so there is that there is sort of that creation of a legacy that is um that is kind of false and i think really that that film to me also affected the discourse around punk rock in a negative way because i think a lot of people Who didn't have the the knowledge, the full knowledge of punk rock, um, really zeroed in on that element of punk rock, the sort of sneering, um, dirty version, uh, dirty version of it. Instead of instead of um, uh, concentrating on uh, a lot of the music and and um, and the other bands and the other scenes, And, and really the the sort of British bands became the dominant conversation around punk rock for a very long time, but it's still, still a good film.
2: Yeah. You know, honestly, I've never seen Sid and Nancy. Oh, you haven't? No, because I'm way younger than you. <laughs> That's true. Old, <laughs> <Sorry>. extremely <laughs> old
1: people. It, it, it boggles I, mean, me how they are. I mean, I've, I've never, I've never seen it. I've heard of it, but I've never I never, I never seen. It. I was probably watching uh, Hitsville, the making of Motown or something when that was out.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, well, it's it's uh, it's it's uh, it's Gary Oldman as uh, said vicious, and he does do a great job. Um, and there's there's also an appearance by Courtney Love in that film. Um, so there you go. Wow. If you have yeah. interest, watch it. But uh, you know, sorry, and I don't want to I don't want to dominate this conversation, but I'm going to throw this out here too. There's a film that, that came to mind, speaking of, of Gary Oldman, um, and that's the film Basquiat, the the Julian Schnabel biopic about Jean-Michel yeah. Basquiat, in which Gary Oldman plays Julian Schnabel, albeit uh, with a different name. But that is an interesting film from a music perspective, because that, you know, that downtown scene, it was as much about music as, as, as it was about art and uh, in the... In the, in the um, the, the commercialization of the art and music scene at that time. So there's also great films like that, that sort of play almost like a documentary. I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, um, another one that takes a little bit of liberties with the true story of, of Jean-Michel Basquiat, but, but also it serves up a lot of great historical knowledge that then you can take and, uh, and study on your own. And there are a lot of films like that, you know, it gives you a little bit and, 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 and leaves it to you to to really figure it out. Mm -hmm.
1: Or or we could just watch the documentary itself. I mean, I mean, he has a great, you know, jean michel Basquiat has a great, I remember, I remember watching the documentary. I didn't see the snobble version, but I did remember watching, uh, the radiant child documentary,
0: which is, yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so again, we were talking about some films that, that, uh, that some of, um, some of our listeners and some people on Facebook had mentioned there's uh, from soundtracks. Uh, our friend Victor um, mentioned the garden state soundtrack. There's another one that uh, perfectly I mean, yeah. like captures a certain moment, you know, that, yeah. uh, that lo-fi indie rock, like folk rock or not, not folk rock, but the sort of that lo-fi indie scene of the early two thousands. Rock. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that catapulted the shins into. Sort of every
2: college student's uh, repertoire. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, and and that was a perfectly executed soundtrack for that time. Like that was that was a huge moment for indie rock in, in general, uh, or indie music. I don't know. Really consider the Shins rock, but yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, funny story about the shins though so when i was living in japan uh i was in hiroshima on nine eleven. went to a baseball game super weird confluence of emotions going on there but afterwards we went to karaoke and there was this kid from england who was uh when he introduced himself he's like oh hello i'm ethan i graduated from oxford it was like <laughs> okay all right cool man congratulations i guess." This is- like, is this your first trip out of Oxford? That's not the way to introduce yourself. Uh, we went to karaoke and, and this other British kid and I were having this conversation and got into, like, he had been, uh, he's friends with some of the members of, uh, uh, the band art brute and I had heard of them. So we're just like talking about indie music and, and, uh, I kind of felt bad because Ethan was getting left out of a lot of the conversations, uh, So I'm like, Ethan, like what kind of music you like? And he's like, Oh, well you wouldn't have heard of it. I was like, well, you know, know, give us, give us a shot. You never know. He's like, well, I only like British bands. Like right now I'm really into the shins. And I'm like, (laughs) Ethan from Oxford. The shins are not British. Right. You're an idiot. Go back to Oxford. (laughs) (laughs) And then we sang earth, wind and fire in karaoke. It was, it was good.
0: (laughs) And all was forgiven. <laughs> no, I never forgave Ethan for that.
2: I, <laughs> I hate pretension. My favorite quote in the history of quotes is from the movie Steel Magnolias, and the quote is, "An ounce of pretension is worth a pound of manure." <laughs> the best quote ever. Best one ever. Oh man! Oh. Well, Tom Scarrett. delivering lines like a true actor. That Tom Skerritt, scared. yeah, of of
0: Top Gun fame. Is that same? Is that Tom Skerritt?
2: That's Tom Skerritt. Yeah. My yeah. <laughs> friend's wife cut his hair. That's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> was it a British salon? No, it was in Seattle. Tom Skerritt <laughs> was in Seattle. Same thing. Yeah. If we have any fans, write to me. I'll give you his address.
0: <laughs> tom scarrett's address yeah I'm just kidding. I, I, don't, I don't know that.
2: i've never met tom scarrett i would i would have a fangirl moment for tom scarrett though for sure like i you know i worked in film i've worked uh with a lot of big actors and don't get starstruck very often tom scarrett would be a guy who'd be like oh can i have your autograph on my boob uh, <laughs> Yeah. That's why I don't work in film anymore <laughs> because producers found that out. They're like, Oh, this guy's a liability for sure. Get him out of here.
0: Oh man. All right. <laughs> this, uh, this conversation is, is going in a lot of different directions. Uh, but that said, Josh, at some point over the next like five, 10 minutes, you need to think about some way that we can have a, sort of a list creation like we did last week where we all name something you're really good at coming up with stuff like this so you got to come up with it in the meantime while you're thinking about that i was uh i'm gonna make a point here and then i'm gonna let you guys uh talk more because i feel like i'm saying too much but jason green uh i think we all know we all know jason green um he mentioned a few films here there's there's a whole conversation in, in one list of films that he uh that he uh that he mentioned, but he also mentioned uh this is spinal tap, which is one that you can't really have a conversation about film and music and not mention this is spinal tap because i think when i mean even when you're ta- when, when you're th- when you're talking about the 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 absurdity of 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 what um we're all presented with as like sort of like rock life or like the the life of a rock star um but presented it i mean it is a these are stories that are worthy of mocking right i mean when you know do do you guys remember the chavez uh the chavez video for the unreal is here um it 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 sort of mocked a, a bon jovi video like they were backstage like stretching before the show and the sort of dramatic, like, we are we are completely exhausted from the show, uh, you know, that you'd see in like the 80s, in, in those 80s videos. But um, the legacy of this Spinal Tap, it's interesting that even though there is, uh, <laughs> there's obviously the, um, the humorous elements, it's almost taken on a different life of, of, of sort of a very serious way of uh, sort of discussing bands and discussing um, uh, sort of discussing that life, but in a not, too, but a not too serious way. But it does have elements of reality um, just mocking those, those elements of reality. I don't know, what, what's your, uh, I'm sure you guys have both seen This is Spinal Tap. Do you guys do you have any uh, comments or reflections on that film?
2: Uh, yeah, I love it. Uh, and I mean, I, I don't want to make this podcast all about my film school experience at the University of Oklahoma. <laughs> Not <but> another one. <laughs> a final film uh, there was a semi autobiographical mockumentary uh, which drew a lot of inspiration from Spinal Tap. Uh, this is Spinal Tap, sorry. Uh, and it was a sort of a. a a parody telling of my life history because when I was young, my dad left. And then I got a stepdad who said he was going to adopt me and like stayed with us for like nine years. And then he left. And then my real dad came back and then he left again. Uh, Throughout my whole life, my mom has been a big journey fan. So I found a bunch of old Polaroids of like, me and my sister sitting on the couch and the Journey Frontiers album just propped up next to us <laughs> like a family member. Uh, so I made a... Uh, the mockumentary uh, it essentially paints my mom as a Journey groupie and that I think that my dad may be Steve Perry. So I form <laughs> a Journey tribute band called Adventure and I actually played a Halloween party that was like an 80s theme party dressed as... <laughs> as like dressed in like eighties garb. And I played with my keyboard uh, very terribly covers of journey songs to capture footage for my documentary mockumentary. Uh, But yeah, it was called the incredible journey of a three time bastard. And uh, if without spinal tap, that project would have never been created and I wouldn't have aced
1: my film to (laughs) final. There you go. This is going to be the probably the um uh, probably the wackiest soundtrack I think I'm putting together uh right now.
0: This is <laughs>
1: this is all <laughs> over
0: the place. This, this, it this, is it is all over the place. <laughs> this is
1: this is this is definitely um yeah, I also included um uh, uh just uh there's Fu Manchu on there of course and then I had to because it just sounded too good not to uh the band What was a band that you mentioned about all their songs being about serial killers oh
2: uh church of misery
1: yeah that's on there too that's on there too so yeah, it, yeah. It, it's a little place this is very interesting it won't be easy listening that's for sure
0: <laughs> <laughs> well there was a um there uh uh you guys all know Amber Dorsey. Um, this is, yeah. th- th- this is sort of where I was trying to, I was trying to, there, there are, we're talking about the legacies of individuals. There's also the legacies that are created from the films when there are conversations that are started around those films. And Amber mentioned, uh, the film love Jones and specifically the soundtrack mm. for love Jones yeah. and, um, yeah I just wanted to get your thoughts about like i mean when 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 those when those conversations get started and and often they 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 even replace the um the conversation about the film itself, but it's just really what what is born out of those films um, yeah I'd love to get your, your your thoughts about that
2: yeah you know one movie that stands out for me where the soundtrack was more memorable and overpowering than the actual movie was dead presidents, Mm. uh, you know, bank robbing heist movie, um, that had a fantastic soul soundtrack. Like that's where I was introduced to Sly and the family. Uh, if you want me to stay, uh, Mm -hmm. best baseline ever. Uh, but yeah, th- that movie just watching that because you know, it was a cool crime movie, uh, got me into soul. Like that's, that's what really drove me in. Cause like this shit is cool. Like I want to, I want to learn more about that. And, uh, I can't remember anything about the movie other than that they rob a bank or something, but mm-hmm. the soundtrack just sticks in my head quite a bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think they're all. I think they. It's like we talk about all the time how you know who we are at the time that we first encounter these films, and I think that you know leaves uh, an indelible impression on on us. And then because you're you know you watch some of these films, you know your your remembrance is tied to the age you were at when you did, and how you thought about the film. Or documentary then, and then you contrast that, you know, 20, 30 years later, and you might have one of those WTF moments, <laughs> you know, like, you know, what was I, what was I on, or why was this so great to me, or or this is actually pretty, you know, if you thought it was bad then, maybe there's that that um, that maturity and life experience you accumulate along the way and you go back to it, and it's like, wow, this is actually pretty good or whatever. And it's like, you know, and I think that sometimes I love those timestamps and then how we kind of look back upon those impressions and kind of contrast them against who we are now. And and maybe why that film or that music was so important to you then and see that evolve over time. Mm -hmm. Um, Because like all works of art, it's kind of like the old saying, you never enter the same river twice. You know, so you yeah. never listen to the same song or watch the same movie ever because you're always chained and that filter of you is always.
0: Oh, oh no. Oh. Did we lose Eric? I think we lost him. We lost Eric. Oh no.
2: And he was making like a real philosophical point. No. Damn.
0: I was like super interested in what he was saying. I was, I, I paused even though I, I felt like I knew it stopped because I just was hoping it would come back. Yeah. Oh man. oh man. Well, while we wait for Derek to come back,
2: let's, uh, let's talk about movie musicals, not necessarily musicals, but movies that incorporate music in unique ways. And in unique ways. I'll give you an example. Moonwalker with Michael Jackson. It was like a a short film with music videos mixed in, right? Pretty innovative for the time. Uh, Won't go too deep into that one, but I'm going to bring up one that's probably a little lesser known that follows that same format that features Snoop Dogg and it's called Bossin' Up. It's got Snoop Dogg, Lil Jon, and Trina. And it's a star studded less than an hour. So we can't call it a feature film, uh, project that I actually got to work on. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> I, have to, I got to meet Snoop dog and well, mostly his bodyguards. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's essentially a romanticized tale about pimping and there's like a few music videos worked into it. Uh, very interesting uh, experience, like filming it. We actually, uh, I was one of the uh, electricians on it and uh, uh, we were working on it in a strip club and I was in the interior unit, uh, you know, moving lights around and we had a a B unit outside lighting up one of Snoop's old Cadillacs. And I guess they put a light in the back seat and actually caught his car on fire a little bit. Uh, so I'm hearing this chatter over, you know, our walkie talkie is like, Oh my God, I caught Snoop's car on fire. And then like somebody has to come tell him. And uh, and he was so cool about it, he was just like, Oh man. Okay. Well that car needed a new interior anyway. <laughs> we just moved on, but yeah watch, watch Boston up and Snoop Dogg is awesome. All right.
0: (laughs) Derek, I hope that you remember where you left off because we were both commenting that we were into what you were saying and then it got cut off there. So. Yeah, I don't know. I'm having some tech issues, uh, tonight for some reason.
1: Um, no, I was just saying that, you know, like most art, um, that we consume, is kind of like, you know, we're, we never listen to it's kind of the old saying, you never, you, you never cross the same river twice. You know, we're always, the music stays the same, or that particular uh, art piece, whether it be film or documentary or music, whatever, that stays the same, but we're the ones who, evolve, who, who are always evolving or devolving in some cases. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah. You know. that, that that is um um the period that a film is released that has that has a lot of music. It's interesting that like you kind of you you listen to it at the time and you're excited because it's it's contemporary music. And then when you do give yourself some time and you and, and you and you sort of look back on it, I think it's it's um it's a lot cooler to make those connections between the music and the film, instead of just thinking of it as like a, like a contemporary soundtrack, like you really appreciate how it melded together. And like Purple Rain is a great example of that. Like, like at the time it was released, it was exciting because it almost felt like a concert film in, in, in some way because right. it, is, it, it just presented all that music. Now, when I look at that film, I really like the, the sort of connection of the club scene and, um, and, and what was happening in the story, that's, it's, it's, it's kind of cooler upon reflection to make those, uh, to make those, uh, connections. Yeah.
1: yeah and then, I mean, there's that whole nostalgia part, And then, you know, even some, because some of these artists are no longer with us. So there's this whole added another layer, um, you know, added to it when, when these artists kind of pass on and they're no longer there. I mean, for all intents and purposes, we kind of think some of these artists, you know, are kind of godlike, you know. When we, when we first introduced to them, we're in our younger years, and they kind of build up this, you know, just kind of like the, um like the blues, you know. These some of these people are these godlike, you know, personas, and then something happens, like you know, you know, just how Prince died was just all kinds of messed up, and it was so weird. Um, but then it's like I have a hard, time I still have a hard time listening to his music to this day. I have a hard time listening to it um, just because he was a big part of my life um, growing up, you know, in high school and, and after high school. And this, this, his music was amazing and then watching Purple Rain and Sign of the Times and, you know. Paisley Park and, you know, all the, all this great stuff. And now that he's gone, I have a hard time. I have, I have a hard, I haven't gotten over I haven't, I haven't gotten over the loss of uh, Prince Roger Nelson yet at this point.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough one. Um, listening to the stories that people told after he died, it even gave me a greater appreci- appreciation for, for who he was. Cause I always just thought of him as this, this sort of kind of dark figure that he was super talented, but there wasn't, he wasn't very like approachable or there weren't these stories that were told afterwards. Once I started to hear these stories, it, um, uh, it just, um, it made me sort of yearn for more. And, uh, and then, and not to have that was, is, is just tragic. There's a great story that Jimmy Fallon told about playing ping pong with Prince. Have you guys, have you guys seen that video? You can, you can find it on YouTube. It's a great story. That Prince right. just called him one night and, challenge them to a game of ping pong. Yeah. Um, this silence will be cut out. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> um, so uh, I was, I was going to go back just quickly to, to, to Jason Green. He had mentioned um, uh, um, a documentary called Punk's Not Dead. Um, there's also a great documentary called Los Punks um, about the backyard um, uh, punk scene, um, and it uh, specifically in East LA. And it's a great documentary, and it um, it also sheds light on a, com- on, 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 a, on a conversation that is very special to me which is the narrative around punk rock um, and how it kind of was hijacked for a while as being more about clothing and and an attitude and then it was about the music and uh, i really appreciate that there are documentaries uh, if you haven't had a chance to document uh, the documentary the documentary about the minutemen uh, the San Pedro punk band uh, called uh, We jammy Kano, it really puts a great um, amount of emphasis on the diversity of music in punk rock and the bravery in a lot of those scenes to not just follow a blueprint, but incorporate elements of jazz. In, you know, in, in the case of Black Flag, incorporating elements that people thought sounded almost like, like heavy metal, like guitar, in, um, into the music, or even bands like uh, like Fugazi, um, that really took their art to uh, to new plateaus. Um, that is something that uh, I'd like to explore more uh, in film because those are uh, those are conversations that can't get left behind.
1: Okay. I think, Josh, this is your uh, cue. This is your moment.
2: So, are are we ready to play the uh, game?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm
0: ready.
2: Yes. Okay. All right. So, this will be very simple. We will uh, list what documentary is most important to your musical history uh, or inspiration, Uh, what soundtrack had the most impact, what score had the most impact, and then uh, what is the
1: theme song to your life, if you had to choose one? Okay, so that's documentary. Soundtrack, score,
2: and then the theme tune for your life. All right, I'll go first okay documentary Uh, I would actually well I don't think that actually counts as a documentary I can't use Spinal Tap as my documentary because that's not actually a documentary so I will say for that one uh, we've already talked about it but I'm going to go okie noodling it's too close of a convergence of weirdness hillbilliness and art from specifically the oklahoma area uh for me soundtrack is going to be xanadu uh because who doesn't love olivia newton john and who doesn't love electric light
0: orchestra oh man i knew i, I knew that was going to come up sometime i didn't know it was going to come up as your as your pick though wow. it's, it's the soundtrack. It's the
2: soundtrack of the century. Uh, score, I'm going to go with Virgin Suicides. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic score done by air. And uh, I don't want to sound like a name dropper, but I actually dated one of the girls that was one of the virgins who committed suicide in that film. Spoiler alert. But it's in the title. Could have figured that out. Uh, and <laughs> what's funny is like when uh, when I started dating her, uh, very sweet girl, like awesome, awesome chick. Uh, but I was like, oh, wow, you were an air. That has a great score. And she was like, yeah, I love it. All the 70s songs. And I was like, no, that's, that's the soundtrack. It's not the score. <laughs> and I actually had to play the score for her because I don't think she ever actually like listened to the air produced score of it, but it's also a fantastic '70s soundtrack as well. So she was not incorrect. Um, and then for my theme song, I am going to choose Fu Manchu, Hell on Wheels. Uh, <laughs> it takes me back to the time where I had a bitchin' '70s Dodge van uh, with a pretty terrible but functional CD sound system in it and uh some of the best times of my life is is traveling around in a in a beat up van being kind of a dirt bag but always
0: polite uh listening to fu manchu damn that's a good that's a good list and and, and now it's got me doing the same thing i did last week i'm sitting here just to reevaluate re-evalu- reevaluating not only my list but like my entire life <laughs> <laughs> buy a van travel <laughs> I want to buy a van. I really do. Oh uh, man! All
1: right, that's gonna be tough. That's a tough. That's a tough.
0: That's a tough. That's a tough one. Yeah. Um, should I? Should, should I? Should I go this yeah. time? Yeah, you're up, you're up. All right. So, Josh, you have to help me because my old man brain does this sometimes. So, uh, you tell me what I should like start with. Like, give me the list, and I'll and I'll name. It. All right. Documentary documentary, uh, The Fearless Freaks, um, the Flaming Lips documentary. And I, I, I've gone through so many um, film uh, documentary films in my life. Now we're talking about specific to with a the music theme, obviously, because it's a music theme podcast. Um, so yeah, it, it has to be the Fearless Freaks. There is an emotional element of that documentary that's, Every time I watch it, it's it's um, it's wonderfully life affirming, um, and I don't care if it's a portrait of Wayne Coyne that um, that they were tr- that, 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 that they were trying to paint. I don't care if all of it's not true, and you know maybe he you know he could be difficult for some people to work with the parts in the film where he talks about his parents and he talks about his brothers, talks about growing up with them. That is some of the most sort of vulnerable, um, in your face, uh, emotional filmmaking I've ever seen, whether it's a documentary or not. Um, and I just love that film. Uh, I'm a very emotional person, as you guys know, and there's just something beautiful about, uh, especially hearing Wayne talk about uh, the death of his father. So that's yeah. the documentary. And Great I would cry. Choice. Great choice uh Um, all right soundtrack soundtrack uh i would have to say that this has just been uh the (laughs) it's played the biggest part in my life in terms of of, of a, a, a musical soundtrack and that's um that's purple rain um you know it was the first god i always get i always get this confused and i know i've done this several times either in this podcast or publicly but I always get confused whether I bought Madonna's first album or I bought purple rain first, which one I bought first, I believe Madonna's first album, uh, her debut album first and then purple rain. But, but, but yeah, it's definitely, it's, 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 it's uh, it's definitely purple rain. I mean that just as a group of songs, but also capturing a time and an artist and a band and a scene perfectly uh, and just everything from the artwork, uh from you know from the cover but also the artwork that's just c- contained throughout um the uh the piece um it's just perf it's just perfection for me absolutely all right now score score <laughs> um uh so the music that toru takamitsu did for akira kurosawa's films and i think he did the score for three kurosawa films if i'm if i'm not mistaken mistaken it could be more it could be less so don't hold me to that but specifically the um the um what he did for for ron is uh i uh, about a decade ago i saw a documentary about about takamatsu and um the way that he was able to meld sound with what Um, with what uh, Kurosawa was doing with movement uh, is just absolutely amazing. And if you get a chance to watch any films about Takamitsu or even Kurosawa, I mean, the, the two stories can't be separated. I mean, uh, what, what I think what Takamitsu has done for music, Kurosawa has done for film. It's, it's, it's sort of beyond uh, the, the traditional narrative about about music and film so uh yeah sorry not to get all too deep into this but um there's a there's a great um you, you can find this clip i think on youtube where it kind of breaks down a little bit of what takamitsu was trying to do with the sound in uh kurosawa's films and uh, you can find clips all over the place but i i suggest uh, highly suggest watching those very cool
2: Yeah. Uh, And and not to hijack your, your list here, but it does bring up a good point. Like my brother James actually recommended this uh, talk about John Carpenter. Speaking of a filmmaker, he's actually, you know, the director, but he's also the score composer for a lot of his films. And he brings like uh, such an interesting, like sense, you know, sort of creepy, dark vibe to like Mm -hmm. Halloween, uh, and, 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 and his movies. So I just think I just want to throw a extra special shout out to John Carpenter. And, you know, if you know, his horror films, like listen to the music because it really inspired, you know, uh, many different, like, especially eighties horror movie filmmakers, uh, Mm -hmm. to, to change up the, the the score that they're making and dive into more synth stuff. And it's, it's a perfect tone setting. And, you know, again, it speaks to that, the power that score and directors, like whether they're a team working together to evoke emotions or the same person, uh, a bit of a control freak making that happen. Um, Yeah. Really cool stuff. Okay.
0: No, no, well, no, actually, sorry. Just, there's just one more point on that. Do, Do you know anything about Tangerine Dream? Because I don't, I, I, I know of Tangerine Dream, and I know that they're responsible for a lot of scores, uh, for a lot of films that, that we might know, but do you know anything about them? Or, no? Okay. Anyway, we'll talk about that off and then, and then bring it back up as, as a subject later. But anyway, if, you, if, if our listeners have an opportunity, if you guys know anything about Tangerine Dream, please uh, let us know. We'll have you on the show, you can talk all about it for two hours, it'll be awesome. <laughs> Um, Sorry, what was the last thing? Your last thing. What is your theme song? Oh, man. So I actually have a playlist (laughs) on Spotify that's called It'll Never Be the Same. And if you listen to that playlist, you'll get my autobiography or my, you'll get the story of John. It's, yeah. Um, So, man. And it's, it's really picking a song from that list of songs. Um, I, I really think,
1: oh man,
0: I really think that it's, it's, um, it's Sugar Mountain by Neil Young. Um, there, And I almost have like a hard time talking about it because it's so, I mean, the premise of the song is somewhat cheesy in a way, maybe not. I mean, if you're, if, if you're the type of person who's very vulnerable and you're willing to talk about, you know, what's going on in your life and, 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 and you're not afraid to cry, um, the, you know, the story of sort of the tragedy of growing up and it kind of goes hand in hand with a song like, um, um, sorry, what's the R. K. fire song? The, the one that was, uh, used in, um, in where the wild things are. Is it wake up? Wake is it up. called wake up? Is it called wake up? But the line in the song, you know, um, children, don't, children don't grow up. Our bodies are, yeah, our bodies get bigger, but our hearts get torn up. Mm. And sugar mountain kind of explores that same theme, right? It's sort of the, it's sort of the tragedy of, of, of losing that innocence. And hopefully that even with, um, with age that we retain some of that, that innocence of youth, that, that 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 laughing that that sort of sometimes just foolishness uh, that comes with youth and it's really like calvin and hobbes <laughs> you know all of all of that melded together and i've always um i've always held on to that very closely that i that i don't want to lose that bit of youth and when i see my kids growing up to it 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 um it scares me a little bit, you know, that they're, that they're losing that as they get subjected to the, to the ills of the world. So um, yeah, Sugar Mountain by Neil Young. I think that's, that's my song. Nice. Nice. Well, it makes my
2: uh, choice of like a vanning rock song seem really shallow and stupid. So thank you, John. Uh, Oh, come on. We can listen to Sugar Mountain in a van. <laughs> I bet it has happened many, many a time. Yeah. Okay.
1: Derek to you yes. documentary. Um, man, you know, there's so many great documentaries out there. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, one of the ones I talked about earlier, and that's the loneliest monk straight, no chaser. Cause I'm a huge monk fan. And, um, And then it's got some of the best elements of jazz that I, the main, I think the thing about jazz I like so much in this, in this documentary and this artist is kind of like the epitome of that is is Monk's ability to improvise. And he was, he was uh, a master at improvisation. So and it's, and it's a great, because I, one of the things that in the documentary they kind of point out how he was kind of like this kind of a, almost like a boring kind of character in real life, you know, and that you know, when he even talked, you, you, you hear the, you will even watch the clips of him talking and some things aren't so, you know, very lucid or succinct, but get this man behind a piano and he was so articulate and so just a genius. Um, at his craft. So, yeah, that's a that's a that's a great um, documentary. I love it. What's next? Next soundtrack. Well, I'm kind of mad at John because he stole
0: my (laughs) soundtrack. It is the perfect soundtrack, though. When you said it, I'm like, damn.
1: Ah." So I'm going to go with and this is uh, just me Paying homage uh, to um, to the recently uh, what's his name uh, Black Panther? No, oh, Chadwick Boseman, Chadwick Boseman. So I'm going to pick the and and not to take anything away from it was a, actually that's a great soundtrack, the movie soundtrack. Uh, yeah, it was pretty good. Um, so, yeah, Kendrick Lamar so on there? Oh yeah, Kendrick Lamar Kills it says uh uh there's so many uh great songs on that soundtrack so yeah yeah, that's my that that, that's my that's my backup soundtrack to uh (laughs) that's
2: not a bad backup that's pretty good Since john is a thief uh i am a thief terrible (laughs) (laughs) all right next is score
1: score Um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to continue down the jazz route. And I learned this, uh, by watching the Miles Davis documentary and he did the 1958 score and my French is terrible. So I'm not even going to attempt to, uh, say the title, but the French film that he did, uh, the score for, and I, I love the story uh, uh, behind that because it's like, he gets these, these uh, these orchestra musicians, these studio musicians, together, and they watch clips, they watch scenes from the film, and they he totally improvises the score, and it turns out to be a game changer. It changed movie scores forever at that point. And this is also the lead in. He did that before he did Kind of Blue, you know. So that kind of was his kind of uh, his introduction into doing this kind of full-on improvisational, uh, you know, motifs that he would construct, like, on the spot. I have have some ideas that I loosely have written down here. Let's go for it. So I think that was a pivotal uh, album for not only him, but for the film industry and jazz at the same time. Um, So... All right, I'm
2: going to try to pronounce this for you. pour uh, la There you
0: go. Which is elevator to the gallows. Right. Thank but, you. Um, <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> John knew that. John knew that. I, I wonder, did you know that or did you Google that on the spot?
0: I uh, uh, Yeah. I I, I, I Googled. I Googled. Sorry.
1: (laughs) If you knew it, that's like amazing. I was like, Oh my gosh, my hat off to you, sir.
0: The timing was perfect though. You have to, you you know, you have to edit all this part out. So it just sounds like I just rolled right into it or elevator at the gallows.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Elevator to the gallows. To the gallows. See,
0: edit, edit, edit all of this out.
2: Okay. It's staying in. All right. And Derek, the, uh, the last bit for you, what is your theme song?
1: My theme song, uh, is biking by, um, I mean, there's so many great things. And I think our theme songs change, uh, by the hour or by the day, depending on how, what our mood is and, and, and kind of what we need our soundtrack to be for that particular day. Um, but I love biking. I have this, um, I have this, uh, this list on Spotify, and the name of it is, is called Hype Me Up Scotty, uh, which is also a nod to, you know, Star Trek. I'm a Trekkie at heart. Uh, it's called Hype Me Up Scotty, and, or Hype Me Up Scotty, and one of the songs on there, it was, this is a, song, a, a playlist I used to kind of get myself hyped up. And um, the song "Biking" by Frank Ocean, which also has uh, Jay Z and Tyler, the creator on it is uh, that's my song. That's my jam. Awesome. I
2: thought you were going to choose uh, "I believe in miracles by hot chocolate, but
1: yeah, it could be tomorrow. I don't know, yeah. but, there, but, there's, <laughs> but there's a lyric. I love that because there's so much metaphor in that song. Think about biking. What's one of the things that you have to have, what makes a bike a bike? You know, of course it's, it's the wheels and wheels represent cycles and there's a, uh, a lyric and there's a life goes in cycles. Everything that comes around, goes around before it goes down, get you some ice. So, you know, before everything's over, get you some ice means to me, just, you know, have fun, make an indelible mark on on the, on the, on the world. And, you know, and let it be. But it, it's such a, I love this song. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it or not. Um, you will be cause I'm putting it on, on the playlist. So you'll be able to hear it. So.
2: Right on. Yeah. yeah. Check it out. I'm not familiar. I'm familiar with all those artists, but I've not heard this, uh, this song. So yeah. Cool.
1: And then come on, you think about when we were teenagers, the, our bike was our first maybe mode of transportation other than walking everywhere. I mean, we all had we all had bikes, I I presume. And and to me, that's how we got around. I remember riding bikes with my with my cousins and my brothers all over town. You know, we would ride everywhere. Um so yeah, a little bit of nostalgia for, for bikes. Yeah, <laughs> for
2: definitely. Yeah, no, bikes were the first taste of freedom.
0: Right. Yep.
2: Getting around Thanks. the
0: hometown. 1984 mongoose californian that was my bike Ooh, yeah had, 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 a, had a blue wheels like blue tires it's awesome
1: i had a red huffy i think a red huffy red huffy was my, was my first bike i,
0: I love it yeah red huffy that's, that's so 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 before we start to wrap this up i have to I have to bring this up so mm-hmm. in the facebook post uh my mom's best friend uh uh, Terry, she uh, she chimed in with this little nugget and that I, I did not know. So uh, my mom and Terry both attended uh, Compton High School in uh, in the '60s, in the mid '60s. They both graduated in 1967. I think I think my, my mom might have graduated in 1968. No, I think 67. So Terry just wrote this: Harry <laughs> um, Shearer from Spinal Tap was my teacher at Compton High, class of '67. I just looked it up. He was an English teacher. And, wow. I, and yeah so he was uh, he was her teacher at compton high in 67 that's, that's awesome cool. i need to call her and find out what he was like <laughs> as a teacher because apparently i looked on wikipedia he he taught he taught for two years and he left after <laughs> after disagreements with the administration that doesn't surprise me right <laughs> that's cool yeah um
2: that, yeah it was uh, a weird place it, it really is
0: what is l.a LA. <laughs> yes it is um I'm gonna you read through always,
1: uh, make her a t-shirt I was schooled by Harry Shear you know that'd be great
0: that's a great t-shirt
1: because <laughs> no one would get that and then it would be very personal That'd be kind of dope
2: yeah and then on the back you can put uh lick my love pump
1: oh. yes <laughs>
0: yes <laughs> oh yeah <man. laughs> um just for the purposes of the playlist, I'm going to read off just a few um, of the films that people mentioned on Facebook. Uh, Straight Out of Compton was also mentioned, uh, the recent film, which is great. Um, let's see here. Um, um, a film called Sing Street, which I had, never, I had never heard of. Patrick Quinn mentioned that, so I'm going to check that out. Uh, and also in that same in that same little thread, there he mentioned the commitments, which is a great film. Um, God, I've seen that so many times. It's 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 one of those films that you just can't walk away from if it's on or somebody's watching it. It's just a uh, it's a great film. Uh, and then Jason Green mentioned uh, a, a few documentaries. Uh, one called Crack Actor, uh, another called Cocksucker Blues a documentary about The Clash called Westway to the World, of course, Punk's Not Dead, and The Other F Word. Nice. All of which, except for Punk's Not Dead, um, I have not seen. So I've got some viewing to do. Um,
1: so are we going to put together, uh, in addition to, excuse me, i uh, to cut you off, but in addition to the playlist, we're also going to put a documentary and film list together?
0: Now I'm thinking we'll pull some music out of those, uh, out of those documentaries. I'll look them up. I'll do a little bit of research and see what we can pull out of those, you know, see what the, what the main theme is. So expand, yeah. expand our growing playlist. Uh, also mentioned is, uh, is labyrinth. Yeah. Yes. There you go. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, and a film called sucker punch that I'm not familiar with. Oh yeah. I yeah, yeah. 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 I remember that. Okay. Uh, and then also our friend, Nicole Stanley, in addition to offering up singles, uh, uh, mentioned Goodwill hunting.
1: Oh, that is a good one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good. yeah.
1: So there you go. Surprise! No one mentioned Wayne's world, uh, which <laughs> kind of revitalized, you know, the career and well, not the career, but, uh, but, but the music of queen. Yeah. Um, so
0: that was a good one. And the AMC gremlin. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, no. Th- so this is going to be quite the playlist. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to getting into my van that I don't have and throwing in my playlist eight track that I don't have. I'm, listening I'm riding to with Josh. I'm, I'm riding in Josh's
1: van. I
2: guess. <laughs> oh yeah, we're we're gonna make a, a road trip out of this. I just got to buy the van and uh, put some shag carpet in it paint a mural
0: on the side and we'll we'll make it happen. Ooh, just so it'll get into the playlist. I'm going to, I'm going to throw this out. Uh, Valley girl, please like there because I was just watching that the other night. And and that's one film that I I don't think I ever truly appreciated, but like there's again, that sort of time that the, uh, that the film was made that, uh, even with the cringe worthy moments, it's still a cool film to watch. And also One that would have come like in my top three, all easy to say this, but it's such a cool soundtrack is, uh, is Dazed and Confused. So much good stuff. Thank you guys. This was a lot of fun. Um, From this conversation on Facebook, uh, there's quite a few people that we should, uh, we should have on some of, some of our mutual friends that I think would, would contribute greatly to these conversations. So we'll definitely get some people lined up in the very near future. Uh, and possibly even get this up on video. We were talking about maybe releasing this video on YouTube, maybe. On the YouTubes? On the YouTubes, yeah. Well, I dang. There we go. All right, so get out there, everyone. <laughs> I just sound like a used car salesman. Um, <laughs> watch some music documentaries. Listen to some soundtracks. Expand your listening by listening to some scores as well. Uh, and check out the playlist soon. We will have this up very soon, next couple of days. Uh, Well, that sounds silly because we're not live. Enjoy. (laughs) And we will talk to you guys soon. Stay safe. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye, guys.
1: Bye.